0: Irish Cream Cold Brew with Cold Foam now at Tim Hortons, or try Cold Foam on any of your Tim Hortons favorites. Modifications extra for a limited time at participating in U.S. locations. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology, here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. tvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next, we meet here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember, Exxon Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light.
1: Hey everybody. Welcome to Heart to Heart Radio with Dan and Ann. We're coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. And tonight, I want to tell you guys, we have a wonderful program for you this evening. We're going to be interviewing our guest, Veronica Houston, tonight. And on this program, um, she's going to be giving firsthand testimony of the deep corruption within the Watchtower. Angela, could you introduce our guest tonight?
2: Uh, Sure, Dan. So Veronica Houston is an ex-Jehovah's Witness as well as an activist for the ex-Jehovah's Witness community under the name Smurf Girl, also her YouTube channel name, by the way. She was born into a family who were among the original Jehovah's Witnesses, so six generations. The family also being among the original Watchtower shareholders who she claims are corrupt to the deepest level with firsthand knowledge and is working on getting the truth out about this. Welcome, Veronica.
1: Welcome,
3: Hi, it's nice to have to be here and talk to you guys.
1: Well it's great to have you, Veronica.
3: You yes. know, I just
1: wanna s I just wanna start out with, you know, I, I wanna get to who you are. I I wanna tell everybody tonight this is a real serious show for me. I think you should hold on to your hat. Um we're gonna get a rare view inside the watchtower, probably that most people have never seen. I feel like, Veronica, like I'm talking to someone within the bloodline of the people who started this thing. I mean, you know the big picture. So I just want to start out by asking you, who are you? And and why should we pay close attention to what it is that you're wanting to share with us tonight?
3: Well, I'm basically the descendants of the original members. Like, I'm from a sixth-generation Jehovah's Witness family or international Bible student family, to be more specific, of the, you know, pre-1914 generation where my great-great-grandfather was school friends with Charles Taze Russell. And so being school friends and then being family friends, and they were both from wealthy families. And um, so when, you know, Charles Taze Russell was beginning Watchtower, he had the majority of the first members to join were— investors and friends that he, you know, hand picked that he felt were deemed worthy enough to be of the anointed and to be in that elite group of the 144,000. And so, you know, the washtower secrets get passed down from those original families. We were called first families and we were, we were treated as, you know, as special being, being from that, you know, faithful and discreet slave class, you know, the generation that would never pass away. And I never realized how different I was treated as as a Jehovah's Witness. I thought everybody kind of was treated that way or everybody was in the organization that long. And I didn't realize how many different things that I knew that other people didn't, not until like even like two years ago. And I went wow. on YouTube and I realized oh. how, like how in the dark the great crowd is because I never really hung around the great crowd. I just never did. You know, you only stick with those original families. And, and we just, were the ones just, also that go to the annual meeting and that
1: sort of thing. Yep, and just for a little clarity, the great crowd are the ones that are going to live on the earth. They're going to remain on the earth. And the the anointed are those who are going to heaven, right? There's two classes. There's a heavenly and an earthly, right?
3: Exactly. Yeah, the great crowd were basically going to be our earthly subjects. That's the way it's worded in Watchtower. And I don't think the great crowd really realized How, When we say that, you will be our earthly subjects and we are going to be kings in heaven, co-ruling as equals with Christ. How literal we mean that. We mean it, you know, but they teach the members to speak very benignly when they repeat those things from Watchtower so that they don't realize how serious we are about that.
1: What kind of what kind of special treatment would you say you guys got when you say that was this like your grandparents or was this your family you say maybe up to a couple years ago you were getting some type of different was your family part of the anointed class or the earthly class
3: Um they were very um deceptive with that because they um after 1935 when everyone wasn't of the anointed anymore um they would skip a generation or, or sometimes two generations so that the great, or the, that the people, you know, the regular members of the great crowd wouldn't catch on what was going on with the original families because they said how the generations overlap so much that we need to kind of, Oh, you know, skip a couple generations or, you know, so that not every firstborn from every single generation was of the anointed but they did see themselves as anointed. They just wouldn't do it publicly. But So it's funny just to hear them talk about the overlapping generation because way back in the day it meant something completely different.
1: You know what's interesting but- is it, it sounds like you were in for different reasons. Like when I was in, it was the truth. You know, God's name was Jehovah. You know, this was the organization different from everyone in the world. We knew God's name and nobody else did, and, you know, and, but, but it seems like you were aware of, of, of a bigger picture, like, for some reason, you came out to share with us the big picture, and then that's what I guess I'm wondering, like, you were in for, for, like, a different reason, am I wrong? Did you ever think it was the truth? No, that's
3: exactly right. Um, no, I thought it was just, uh, crazy ramblings of my great-great-grandfather, and great-grandfather, and, all the generations, where because there are certain secrets that are passed down throughout the generations, because we were the fun, the ones that were entrusted, to write the articles or the ones entrusted to work at the service desk, where where you were completely aware of all the mistakes and all the things, but the reason why we were willing to cover for it is because it was the mistakes of our descendants, and we viewed ourselves as watchtower, where you were just when you also had. A financial gain for it being shareholders where there are private shares that are owned that the original families own and so you want it to continue because you get a yearly check based off of profits based off of sales of buildings and things of that nature and so a lot of times it is just a a financial reason that people stay.
1: Wow. Did you guys ever get a a cut? Do you ever know, like, your dad or your grandpa ever got a cut? Have you ever seen, like, a check?
3: I knew about it. My my great-grandfather, Grandpa Floyd, he was in control of the shares, and I never knew exactly how much, but there was kind of a tanking. When I was aware of it in the early 80s, there was kind of a tanking after the whole 75, and there was... Um some of the shareholders actually sold their shares and then after great grandpa died then my uncle Robert got a hold of the shares. So I'm not sure what happened you know, what's going on with that because then there was kind of a rift in the family. And that's I'm good I'm glad that the rift happened because if I would have gotten a hold of the shares, I don't know if I <laughs> you know. Yeah. depending on how big that check is, you never know if you're willing to talk or not. But I always knew you know I, I felt guilty for what we were doing,
2: well, what happened in nineteen
3: fourteen for oh, the audience a, a yeah when when the date when the date you know failed um
2: for that, for was, God that to, was
3: really devastating
2: and for the audience, that means that that Jehovah's coming back, right?
3: yeah, they thought it was going to be Armageddon, and they basically thought it was going to be the rapture they thought ah. that they were going to then go and be kings and priests and they were all going to basically just disappear. Like their bodies were going to disappear and they were going to, you know, an Armageddon was going to come. And so when it didn't happen, of course, they had, they had certain fail safes in place. They had the photo drama of creation already set to go to take, to take focus off of the, the huge, great disappointment, you know, like 1844 with the Adventists, you know, they knew, this is going to be you know, a huge disappointment to everybody, so we have to, you know, take uh, um, focus off of that. And, of course, the money that they invested, you know, my great-grandfather and, and great-great-grandfather had invested in the photodrama of creation, and basically they had kind of all lost faith in it, but, and, you know, and seventy percent of the members left. And don't forget, we're, we're, our
2: audience is not necessarily Jehovah's Witnesses, for sure. So they don't know about that movie that was made. So for the audience's sake, a movie was made to for a cover-up should that date go by and it doesn't really become the end of the, of the world, if you will. And so they made a, a plan with a movie that was eight hours long so that everybody would buy into what they had planned next just to keep from losing members. Is that about right?
3: That's exactly true. And they didn't realize how, exactly how many members were going to walk away because they were all friends and they were all wealthy and influential businessmen. And so, you know, Charles K. Russell was extremely disappointed that, that so many people left. But the major investors, including my great great grandfather, stayed and they're like, well, how are we going to pick up the pieces? How can we recoup our money? We had, in you know. Um, the equivalent of the shares that they sold was about fifty million dollars in in our days, you know, money, and so they had invested a lot, and so they they bought the shares from the people who left, and they're like, you know what, we can't be as exclusive anymore. We can't just be this little one hundred and forty-four thousand group. Maybe we because they would sell subscriptions to Washtar That's how they made their money. They would sell these books like a religious encyclopedia called the uh, Studies in the Scriptures. And that's how they made their money and they thought, well maybe we'll include our subscribers as members. And we'll include other people, but we need to keep them in two different classes because we are exclusive and we're the ones who know what's going on. And so they had like more of a general membership and but they wanted to distinguish between a general member and the exclusive members. And so that's how the anointed and the great crowd, you know, came about. And they just basically, it was just them trying to recoup their money. And I don't think they even realized what a big thing they were going to end up creating and how well they would be able to, you know, deceive people. All right, Veronica,
1: Angela, Veronica, we're going to have to take a commercial break. Uh, We'll be back with Veronica Houston coming up right after the commercial break. You can learn more about our guests by going to our YouTube channel, Smurf Girl, S-M-U-R-F-G-I-R-L.
2: You're listening to the Heart to Heart Radio Show on the X-Zone Podcast Network, www.xzbn.net. You can learn more about our show by visiting Heart hearttoheartradioshow.com or check out our personal website, prodigaljourneys.com. Again, we'll be right back after the commercial break.
5: Yeah.
4: Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course.
5: We all know about SIMULTV.com SIMULTV.com
1: All right, we're back. Tonight our guest is also the co-host of the show, Veronica Houston. Our topic tonight is Firsthand Testimony, Deep Corruption of the Watchtower. You can contact Veronica by going to her YouTube channel, Smurf Girl. And Veronica, if you just want to continue on where you left off, I think you were talking about shareholders and, you know, these shares and and that sort of thing.
3: Yeah, the one thing that, that I really want to let, you know, regular Jehovah's Witness members know is that back in the day, you know, before 1914, that The whole idea of, of, you know, being on the earth and being left behind, you know, when, when the anointed were taken to heaven and being raptured, if you were left behind on the earth, we called that a penalty and a punishment. That was not a rich reward. It was only after 1914 when Rutherford very cleverly started to spin something that was actually a punishment called restitution because you weren't faithful enough to go to heaven. And he spun the end result of paradise, that a thousand years of, of basically torture, of having to suffer through the Great Tribulation and suffer through you know, Armageddon, was actually seen as a bad thing. You were a foolish virgin to have the door to heaven shut on you. And they don't realize that they have been sold something that is actually hell on earth. And they think yep. it's great. And
1: it's not. Yes. And you know something? I'm going to say this. Up till the time I left, which was, you know, it's been 20 years for me. But up till the time I left, Angela couldn't believe me. And she says, I want to go to the Kingdom Hall. And I used to tell her, we call ourselves good for nothing slaves. And, you know, that always bothered me, I thought. And, and the brother would say, we're good, the watchtower, you know, it would say, we're good for nothing. The ones who are going to remain on the earth, the ones who are going to be in the paradise, we're called good for nothing slaves. And I always used to wonder, why do we call ourselves that? And what yeah. we're doing, we ought to be doing.
2: Yes. And when when I, Dan did take me to one of the services and three times in the service, they would ask this question. And then the answer was always supposed to be, which I didn't know, but they said, that's yes. Uh, so we are the, what, what is it again, Dan, the uh, good for nothing slaves. And then they said, and yes, and we're doing, and what we and ought to be doing, doing, what we're, we're doing, ought we ought to be doing. That's right. And I thought, what in the world? I was. To, I just I was just mortified. I mean, they were happy to say this and they they look so downtrodden and so I don't know head down and I'm like what in the world is going on here? It's like any psychologist knows that if you tell somebody that they will be that you tell a son He's stupid or you know, you're good for nothing. You stupid son, and he will be good for nothing Everybody knows that they've known
3: that forever. So I, I was just mortified
4: yeah, yes. I mean,
3: it says in Watchtower very clearly that the great crowd is only there to assist the anointed. That's all they're good for is just to distribute the literature and to get them to heaven. And it actually got so corrupt after over the years where all they, you know, I forget my, my whole reason, what I was going to say. But oh, you're gonna... that they yeah. didn't care anymore or that they wanted to actually make, the great crowd as unrighteous as absolutely possible, because the the men in charge, like Fred Franz, you know, the president of Watchtower, you know, during the 80s and whatnot, they were afraid of of being usurped and, and having their spot in heaven taken, and they wanted to make sure that their spot in heaven wasn't taken, and so they wanted to make sure those good for nothing slaves were as unrighteous as possible, just in case. And then, wow, the, and then they and, would, and then they would go
2: through the thousand year tribula not tribulation, but the thousand year reign of Christ on earth. And then maybe they might have a chance to get it right in that thousand years. Isn't that what you said?
3: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I always, I always. Yeah.
1: yeah, I always wondered, you know, why Saint was going to be let loose again. You know, it's like, okay, we just came through a tribulation. We just came through. I know it was to test, supposedly. Um, you know. To retest us. But what was interesting was that we just went through hell on earth. And now we went through the tribulation. And now we get a thousand years rest. And then Satan's going to return to beat us up once more and to retest us and to make sure one more time. This sounds like mental abuse to me, you know? I agree. Mm-hmm. So, sure my is, question. Yeah, because, and they'll all the anointing, then they don't have to suffer
3: through any of that because. They were the only righteous ones that were resurrected. They were the only righteous ones to go to heaven, and all the righteous, the unrighteous, are going to be left behind on the earth. All the while, the Jehovah's Witnesses are going to think they're the only righteous ones there, but in fact, they're just as unrighteous as everybody else, and that's could their you, ultimate deception.
1: Could you imagine? Could you imagine if the people in the Kingdom Hall knew that they were throwaways, know that they were crutches, know that they were. You know, just people to hold up these so-called anointed, they call themselves anointed. I don't know why they're more anointed than the people in the hall. You know what I mean? They only drink the wine. You know, um, th- th- this is amazing stuff. And, you know, you know, my question is, Veronica, like, what made you, what made you, this, this question keeps coming to my mind. What made you finally say, I got to get this out? I, ga- I got to say something about this. Why didn't you just walk away?
3: Um, after I started watching people's YouTube videos and seeing how corrupt everything was and, and being in just a regular kingdom hall, because I was in a kingdom hall where there were a lot of anointed and a lot of the first families in it. And I started to visit some of just the regular kingdom halls and I saw how they were just abused. They weren't treated the exact same way as as the ones who were of the anointed and it just hurt and I couldn't I just couldn't let it go and and I knew I was going to be scared for my life I knew if I started to say certain things out loud because there's not been anybody from the first families that's willing to walk away because they're either just too selfish they don't care they're getting a financial gain or the status and I don't know I just couldn't stand seeing people be hurt like that
2: and then your grandfather, he was kind of influential a little bit in that department, right? Yeah, he great-
3: hated Fred Franz. Yeah, the, the president of Watchtower, he did not like it when he became president. And so then he started to go apostate. And he did it very quietly. He, when Raymond Franz left, Fred Franz's nephew, when he got kicked off of the governing body, he saw how people were treated if they started to speak up against Watchtower. And so he was Clever enough to know somebody who is is on the right side of things needs to stay behind and not leave to make sure that the secrets of the wash get out. And so he would just tell me as much as he possibly could. And he's always told me, you know, just wait and bide your time and, you know, try and wake up the rest of the family. And I tried to, like, I really, really tried to wake up the rest of my family and they weren't willing. They all had their own selfish reasons for it. And so it's like, well, fine, you know, and I had to give up my inheritance. I had to give up everything. And then my mom died because of the blood policy. And my grandmother died because of the no blood transfusion policy. And it's like, okay, I've got nothing else to stay behind for, you know, my dad was an abuser. And so I'm like, okay, now I have, I can't, I can't wait any longer. The only ones that I really cared about were dead. And so it's like, now I need to get me and my daughter out. And hide and then slowly start to talk
2: so it's Ray Franz He he wrote crisis of conscience I think a lot of people know that book so is Fred Franz his son or how what's I don't get the his Fred uncle. Franz ah
3: yeah he was his uncle and that that's kind of a show a public display of how the of how the first families go where fred was the uncle and he was of the anointed then his nephew then declared to be of the anointed and that was kind of because fred didn't have any kids and so there was it's usually the firstborn or the first fruit that then declares publicly of being of the anointed and then it it travels on you know throughout the generations and so with me it was my great-grandfather and then i was to declare publicly that i was of the anointed because you're named as their replacement for so when they get old, you have to replace them. So there's always a remnant left behind on earth. Cause after 1935, I know most Jehovah's Witnesses would know this. Um, nobody else was really supposed to be of the anointed except replacements, but no one understood what that meant. But a member of the true, you know, original family who was of the, of the remnant would name their replacement, which would usually be someone in their family descendant line, a firstborn, a firstfruit. You would inherit the shares of Watchtower, and then you would just carry on and, and, you know, write for Watchtower or be on the governing body, the ones who are entrusted at the very top.
2: How how do they keep track of the 144,000?
3: They really don't care. They call them congregation-level anointed. The ones who partake at the memorials, those aren't really seen as anointed in Watchtower's eyes. They are... They'll they'll talk about that a lot in Watchtower, where not everyone who professes to be of the anointed really is. Um, when you tr- they call it tr- being truly of the anointed, if you you have to be from a first family, you have to be named by another person that's anointed, and you would never partake at the memorial publicly. You only partake once, and um, so that they they distinguish like oh well, do they. Do they partake at the memorial every year? Okay, yeah, they're not one of the first families. Okay, all right, Veronica.
1: We're going to have to uh, take commercial break here. And uh, when we come back, I just, I guess I want to ask you, who's controlling this thing and uh, who's still in control? So right after we get back, we're going to have to take commercial break. But we'll be back with Veronica Houston. And our topic tonight is on firsthand testimony, the deep corruption of the Watchtower.
2: You can contact our guest, Veronica Houston, by going to her YouTube channel, Smurf Girl, S-M-U-R-F. You've been listening to the Heart to Heart Radio Show with Dan and Ann on the Exxon Broadcast Network, and that's www.xzbn.net. Our website is show.com. We'll be right back after the commercial break. <laughs>
0: Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to LAMarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. Rob McConnell here presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jennix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. After the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.future. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast, but the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying... Thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito or hash browns. Choose 2 for 250. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. God of God, amen.com.
5: You have heard of the X Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV. Plus 500 video games, live TV channels.
1: We've been talking with our guest, Veronica Houston. We're so glad you joined us tonight, Veronica. And we've been talking about our our, our guest's firsthand testimony of the deep corruption of the Watchtower. And uh, you can contact our guest tonight by going to her YouTube channel, Smurf Girl. And uh, Veronica, I just wanted to continue on here. I, a burning question of mine has always been, who runs the Watchtower today? It's like nobody knows. It just seems like it's just a nonprofit and a good organization, and they build Kingdom Halls in a day, and everybody goes in and builds them, and they share the money. They take the money from this hall and build another one, and it just seems all good. But I know behind it, I'm wondering how do they make their money? What do they? You know, who's running this thing? Who owns the Kingdom Halls? Who owns this organization?
3: Good question. Yeah, it's all it's all under the corporation name of Watchtower, but the shareholders, the private shareholders, still own it. the The original families still own it, and um, it would be their descendants. And the sad part is, is that the majority of those are not even Jehovah's Witnesses anymore. That wow. they just don't care anymore. And so it really is just a, a corporation, and where the, nobody, you know. The real board of directors, like the ones who are really in charge, are the actual the helpers of the governing body. They're cleverly disguised, and they'll say, you know, oh, we just we're just helpers. But the president of Watchtower is one of the helpers, and you know, the governing body now I see is basically just mascots, just <laughs> um, bad people to emulate. Like they picked they pick the most, the worst people to emulate that were of the anointed, you know, the, the most corrupt. And the way that a lot of the shareholder families describe the governing body nowadays, they basically represent seven deadly sins. And it's just kind of a joke where I heard a couple of them say, yeah, I wonder if we put Stephen Lett out there and people will start emulating. I wonder if people will emulate his facial tics on the platform because they emulate these men. Or will they get homophobic like Tony Morris, where they just think it's a joke. And it's like, this isn't a joke. There's almost 9 million people, and they're being hurt, and they're shunning their families. And it's, when you get these rich, wealthy, white businessmen and these wealthy families, that's the way that they act. They they think that they can just control people. And I've you know, heard, it's just really sad, and that's always the
1: way it's been. I've heard of a guy that was in Bath Hall, and he told me that these – I mean, you're exactly right. He was in Bethel and he was a part of some of these meetings where they were putting together the watchtower. And it sounded like what he told me was just throw anything in there. It's they're just a lost sheep, you know, just throw something in there. And uh, and they did. You, You know, a lot of the time it's just regurgitated information that they've said before. Me and Angela were at an assembly a few years back and. Angela wanted to see what an assembly looked like. And when we were there, it was the same drama as I saw in Houston 20 years earlier about, you know, scaring the heck out of people who, let, who would want to leave the organization or who would dare miss a meeting. It was fear. You were going to be destroyed. Jehovah's going to kill you. And I'll tell you, it just runs on fear. It, it, a lot of the people in there are mentally ill, and they get oh, more yeah. mentally ill over time. And uh, this is crazy. And you know what I think is interesting, what you said, Veronica, that the anointed today, in their view, are thrown away. Because I know that's true. Because when I was in there in the 60s, they said the anointed class was already pretty much filled up, plus or minus a few. So when we saw somebody taking the, the wine and, and the communion, we thought, oh, they're just faking it. You know, they're just fakes. But it's interesting that I know they reopened up that door to drinking the wine again for for people and said we're going to collect some more of them but what's interesting do you don't you think that would be interesting if within the congregation the people if they knew that the anointed were even throwaways in a, in a sense you know yeah.
3: yeah they would they use the term well they just profess to be of the anointed if, if any and, and members of the anointed in the congregations will even say, oh, yes, I've been professing to be of the anointed, you know, for 20 years. It's like, do you realize when you say you profess to be of the anointed, that's a derogatory term that the ones who are from the first family started to use, where even they don't realize the words they're using are derogatory, like good-for-nothing slave and, and things like that. You know, you're going to be our earthly subjects. They, they repeat it. But, they, they, we, you know, we taught them to use a very benign voice to read the articles, even when they read it in their head. they read these derogatory things about themselves, and they just hear it very robotic, and they don't understand what they're actually saying. And that's what I want to try and do is connect the dots and read the words how they were meant to be said. And what you're saying about having the the words just regurgitated, ever since Russell died— that's exactly what's been happening. my dad was a researcher in the writing department. And my mom would would write articles and the majority of the time they called it reworking an old article. and they'd put yeah. a couple new ones in every once in a while. but the majority of the time they just kind of reword it a little bit, you know, switch a few things when they oh we need to clarify something, that's a reworked article. That is an old article where they're like, oh yeah, let's change this a little bit. The viewpoint's a little different. That's just an old article that's from way back in Russell's day.
1: Man, oh, man. You know, I had, I was in there, I was in the generation prophecy, which was based out of Matthew, you know, this generation will by no means fall away to earthquakes, you know, nation rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, earthquakes. And they said that the same, same time we saw earthquakes and famines and this, that we'd also see the Great Tribulation. So they pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed until the late 80s, where when you count from 1940, 70 or 80 years, a generation, to the 1980s, early 90s, you know, when the 90s started to come about, late 80s, the Watchtower started to regurgitate the generation prophecy. And what I found interesting, was I was a serious Bible student, and I said to myself, what in the hell are they doing? What are they doing? This is, what do they mean that the generation isn't a generation as we know it? A generation is a this and a that. And then I think at the same time, they said, well, the anointed aren't going to lead us into the new, 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 new system. It's going to be the elders now. And they started changing, and then my brother got the big head, you know, I'm going to be the one, you know, leading people in through the tribulation. And, and I was like, I'm done. I believed in this generation. I read the Revelation book two, three times. They were promoting, promoting, and promoting. And when it passed, I thought five million people were coming with me, and I was the only one. And they looked at me with these dumb eyes, where are you going? We have the truth. Where are you going? You don't have no truth here. And so, I, I uh-huh. mean, they don't care. They don't even apologize. The, the, the wall tower does not apologize to anybody. It's been prophesying since the 1800s, every single year, every, all the way through. They never say we made a mistake. They say the light got brighter. So, you know, I've yeah. got a question.
2: So yeah, go ahead. Go ahead.
3: they know they they're on borrowed time ever since 1914 they knew they were on borrowed time like even 75 was just a membership drive it was kind of staggering a little bit and it's like well let's try it again you know we haven't done it in a while let's see they knew it was going to fail they knew and like my my father was one of the ones where he was helping write those articles and you know he was very young at the time and He knew it wasn't going to happen because I asked him. I said, well, what did you think was going to happen? It was like, well, we just needed to keep people's hopes up so they wouldn't leave. Oh, brother. And I just sat there and I was dumbfounded. I'm like, how can you do that to people? And he's like, well, you know, they'll get over it. They always do. That's crazy.
2: Veronica, like, you know, we used to hear things like since Dan got out, that is, that people like are using witchcraft and stuff like that. Uh, to get these articles written so that the food is coming down from, you know, witches and demons and what that kind of thing. Is there any at all truth in that?
3: Yeah, they use what they call a the spirit-directed channel of communication, but they try and, you know, with the, with the writers of Watchtower, you know, distributing the spiritual food, they all have their own real technique, but they, they feel that they're, they're channeling their mediums and they channel angels. So it's different than being a, a spiritist that's channeling demons. It's angels. But they all have their own little technique of, of meditation or sometimes they'll use like a spirit board or the tarot or candles and chants or whatever it who, is. But
1: who are the ones kinda, doing this?
3: Um, usually members of the first families. They're the only ones who are entrusted enough to keep the secrets. They would never just let anybody do that you have to you have to have something invested where you're a family member
1: wow wow is this still a money machine this organization i mean are they still are they still very wealthy
3: um it's been a while since i've um you know known how much money's you know really circulating but it it seems like they're kind of tanking Because when it was a couple annual meetings ago, because I've known Tony Morris and his family since about the 80s and the kind of space that, you know, I've known him for a while. And Veronica, could you hold that
1: comment, Veronica? We're going to have to uh, we're going to have to take a commercial break. So, Veronica, Angela, uh, we'll when we back, we'll continue our discussion with our guest, Veronica Houston. Her YouTube channel is Smurf Girl.
2: S-M-U-R-F, girl. You're listening to the Heart to Heart Radio Show with Dan and Ann on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. For more information about Heart to Heart Radio Show, visit hearttoheartradioshow.com. That's a T-W-O in there. All right, guys, uh, we'll be right back. And again, you're listening to Heart to Heart Radio Show with Dan and Ann on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. We'll be right back.
4: Christopher Fulton is a survivor of the National Security State. All he wanted to do was preserve history when he acquired a Cartier watch from the estate of President Kennedy's personal secretary. But that simple act set off a terrible chain reaction. He was pursued by the U.S. Justice Department and the FBI, thrust into the middle of the U.S. government's Assassination Records Review Board, even monitored and pursued by the Russian government. All because that Cartier watch was the missing link of evidence, a timepiece worn by JFK that fateful day in Dallas, a link resulting in Christopher being incarcerated and attacked for nine years because he opened a hidden chapter in history. The intriguing journey outlined fully in Christopher Fulton's memoir, The Inheritance, is available now through Trinday.com or Amazon.com. The Inheritance, Poisoned Fruit of JFK's Assassination by Christopher and Michelle Fulton is a must-read, an incredible tale of how easily our own government can overrule justice. The Inheritance, Poisoned Fruit of JFK's Assassination.
1: All right, we're back. You're listening to Heart to Heart Radio Show with Dan and Ann. And our guest this hour is Veronica Houston. And you can contact her by going to her YouTube channel, which is Smurf Girl, S-M-U-R-F-G-I-R-L, Smurf Girl. And we're talking with Veronica, who is sharing her firsthand testimony on the deep corruption within the Watchtower. And uh, Veronica, I'm, I'm just so glad you've come on. You've honestly... What you're saying is, is freed me. I, I got to tell you, I spent 40 years. I was starting to get mentally ill in there. And the reason I was getting mentally ill, I'll tell you why. And I'll tell you why you've, you've released me from that. Because I couldn't do enough. I couldn't pass out enough watchtowers. They, You know, if I passed out 20, they would tell me, you know, you should have passed out 30. How many hours did you get in? Did you give Jehovah your best? You know, you could have pioneered this month? Did you pioneer? It had five weeks. You know, Dan, you should have commented in your own words, um, sexual mm-hmm. things that were very basic to most people, um, going through the bloom of the youth were were you've totally felt dirty. You felt like you were a, like a prostitute. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, they, they constantly brought out the scriptures, you know, if you even look at a woman to have a passion, you know, Jesus said, you've already done it. You know, so we, we had an endless line going to the elders to confess our sins. The, the sisters had to go to the elders and confess if, if there was any type of strange sex other than the norm. You know, they had to go before three men. And I think this is just terrible. I yeah.
3: agree. And unfortunately, the reason why everyone is kind of like an obsessive compulsive um, mental disease. And it it really is because of Fred Franz. He was very obsessive-compulsive. He was very neurotic about medical procedures and and anything to do with doctors. And it's amazing. He lived at 99 years old, and, you know, he was never married. He was probably a virgin the day he died. And he was just very um, weird in the head about sex. And he made everyone who listened to every word he said – And they all became a bunch of Fred Franzes. And if people knew how neurotic and crazy he was, I mean, just look at the members. Look what you went through. That's what he was going through, and that's what he made everybody be. Well, you know, Veronica,
2: you know, I just think it's uh, one thing that I really would like to see. uh, I don't know how they do it through the court system, but to see to it that the Watchtower is forbidden or under penalty of law to um, allow these elders to... Ask these questions that go on for. I, I've heard it. Uh, I'm ta- I'm telling you, so crazy. Many times it goes on for four hours, where they have to regurgitate it every which way, backwards, forwards, crisscross, inside out, until they just want to throw up. And I say it's traumatizing these people. Their sin is embedded into them. The guilt is unbelievable. And I think that it's a crime. And I think that it needs to stop. And i like to see them forbidden. From ever doing that ever again. And apparently their rule books say that they're supposed to do it like that. So they're only doing
3: what they're taught to do. But it is so sick. Yeah.
2: Well,
1: the
3: only reason why the great crowd have to confess their sins to the elders is because they haven't accepted Christ's ransom by partaking at the memorial. If they partook at the memorial, they would have their sins forgiven. Because of all the anointed, it says, we're viewed as sinless. We've had our sins forgiven the only reason why you need to confess to the elders is cuz you haven't and if they just made the connection if they just realized everything would be that much easier
1: and they'd be freed yeah. you, know, they, you, know you know you know what's yeah you know what's weird veronica is the watchtower seems like you know when i first come in there you know they they talk a little bit about the paradise you know when they come to your door they say you know the earth's going to be a paradise real soon um, we're real close, and uh, and and I think people get excited about that, you know, because, you know, people go through a lot on earth here. They get divorced, they lose jobs, they lose kids. There's a lot of things that happen, so the witnesses circulate around, and when they come to your door, they say, look, it's going to be all over. You know, God's original purpose was to make the earth a paradise, and it's the same purpose today, and and you go wow that sounds so good they say yeah look here nation rise against nation kingdom against kingdom wouldn't you say we're living in that time and you go yes well did you know god had a name jehovah yeah come on in and you go wow i didn't know well now you can have a personal relationship with them and when you come in all you hear after that is don't make a mistake don't ever leave don't ever think about leaving Don't ever miss the meetings because this is your contact. Read only our literature. Do not read any other Christian literature. Get rid of all the crosses out of your house. Get rid of everything that you have that's worldly. Come inside. Stay out of the world. Get out of her, my people. All the churches, get out of them. And they don't go to weddings. They don't go to funerals that are held in churches. Um, They they completely do that. But what I want to say is this is like a slow deterioration of yourself because like you said your first your first invitation into the hall is everybody's you know running up to you and welcoming welcoming you into the family you're all talking about the end that's all you ever talk about but i just want to say once you're in there it's the the fear it's a fear-based shame-based And I have almost, I almost lost my life in there. I was almost shamed to death, and there's no reason for it.
3: No. Well, this is one thing you you mentioned that that is not even a Washtar teaching, is that God's going to make the world a paradise. In reality, in Washtar teaching is that Jehovah's Witnesses are going to have to build the earth into a paradise. They're going to have to clean up the mess, clean up the dead bodies, and replant the earth, and do it themselves. Because the anointed feel it, because they're unrighteous, they're going to have to do it for God. God's not going to do it for them. They're going to have to do it because it will be hell on earth. It's going to be a disaster. And that's their way of repentance for being so unrighteous that they have to do the work themselves. And maybe after a thousand years, they'll grow to perfection and maybe they'll make it if they do it good enough. And that's the catch. That's the clause that most Jehovah's Witnesses don't even realize what they're signing up for. God You know, do it for them.
1: one they of they the scriptures, yeah, one of the scriptures that I used to read over and over is seek righteousness, seek meekness, and you might be concealed. Might. Yeah, yeah, might be concealed. And like might. you said, there mm-hmm. are no guarantees. Yeah, it's beyond
3: nope. crazy. And they don't even... And they're, they're hoping for a hope that's not even going to happen anyway. Like, you know, they're just going to be sitting there and waiting. Like, it's not. I personally don't believe in the whole Armageddon thing. And so it's like, they're, they're, no, not one Jehovah's Witness has ever gotten their reward. But every single, they think every, every anointed member's gone straight to heaven. But they're still in the ground waiting. They've never gotten what they've been promised. Not one of them. And they keep waiting.
1: And well, they
2: know, have just, the ultimate they, they've sure deluded themselves that's for sure
1: yeah you know what bothers me mm-hmm. here's what bothers me. I watch a lot of I've watched a lot of witnesses die, and they are angry they are angry. My grandfather was angry he he was a a great witness all the way till he died, and he was upset when he died, and the family covered over. They said, oh, he just had a nervous breakdown. No, he was pissed. He, it didn't happen in the generation. It didn't happen in 75. It didn't happen. So here he was laying on his deathbed, He gave every bit of his might to passing out watchtowers and awakes and and literature that's outdated a month after it's printed, two months after it's printed. Where is the Revelation book? Where is the Paradise book? Where is the truth book? Where is all of this stuff? It's in the garbage. And they say this is Jehovah giving them light and giving them enlightenment. And we can't hardly wait for the new light. If people don't think there's an indoctrination going on, in this watchtower they're crazy I mean yeah. you know it shows it shows the power of the indoctrination because they're still blindly mm-hmm. following although they have evidence they have the internet they have all of this evidence to the 1800s to show the insanity but they refuse to look at it isn't that powerful yes yeah
3: well it's it's people like my family that they know that the members who finally figure out the real truth that it's a lie it's on their deathbed and so by the time they figure it out they're dead and they can't warn the next generation they can't Mm -hmm. they're not there and so they know that they've got them trapped
1: you know what's weird veronica you know, when, when I talk to witnesses who come to my door, I don't tell them I'm a witness. But when I talk to them, I say, do you guys know about the disgusting things standing in a holy place? Do you know about the generation? They don't know nothing. They Like, what are you talking about? Do you know about this book and that book? No. And I tried to get an old Revelation book, and they, they said, why do you want one? They said, we have a new one. I said, well, I want the old one. Why do you want an old one? Well, I'm doing some research. Well, that one's outdated. And so it's amazing, mm. it's amazing. You know, you know what my hope is for the Watchtower? Mm. I have what? a hope for them, that they turn around. They got a, they've got so much power over so many people, millions of people, they've got their minds. And it could be used for good. If they told those people who they are, that they were made in God's image, that they were here to flourish and blossom in a beautiful way, unique to everybody else, that God was inside them and and trying to unfold in them in some beautiful, magnificent, unique way, just like a fingerprint, different from everybody else. And it would be an illumination of God himself through you. Just think about that. But anyway, yes. guys, hey, yeah. hey we got to wrap it up here, Angela. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, Veronica, yes. thank you. But we have to wrap it up. I so enjoyed this conversation with you, Veronica. And I know Angela has, too.
2: Yes. Thank you, Veronica.
1: Thank you for being with us tonight. Thank, you. And for thank more information you. For more information about Veronica, just check out her YouTube channel, Smurf Girl. And she's got a lot to say.
2: All right, we'll be back next week with another edition of Heart to Heart Radio Show with Dan and Ann. And to find out when our show can be heard on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. And for more information about Heart to Heart Radio Show, visit hearttoheartradioshow.com or check out our personal website, prodigaljourneys.com. Thanks for joining us. Good night.
1: Good night.
0: Get both the book and the DVD—a forty-dollar value for only nineteen dollars ninety-nine cents. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's l-a-m-a-r-z-u-l-l-i.net.
5: You have heard of the X Zone? Now watch it on Simul TV, plus five hundred video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Live streaming events from around the world, interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today, Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at SimulTV.com. Do it today.
0: We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast, but the rest of us sleep in.